have you uh, finished Moby Dick yet? Sam, I have some great news. I have. It was really good. I felt like for those of you who maybe haven't read it, it's a lot more about the profession of whaling and the time that it was written. The narrative is like barely in there, I would say maybe 200 pages worth. And by the time you finish the last like three chapters are finally seeing Moby Dick. So I won't spoil it anymore, but of course I'm not going to, you can't really spoil a book that's been out for forever. Right. But yeah, I, I was waiting. Moby Dick is past. Spoiling. <laughs> I just felt like the, the narrative took a backseat, uh, which is fine. Cause it's sometimes I did enjoy just learning about every intricate, like thing that goes into whaling from like, they just, there's like a whole chapter about a certain kind of saw that they use to cut off the fins but yeah, I don't know if I would recommend it to anybody. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk more about Moby Dick later on. But uh, yeah, so this is Closed Comments. I'm Sam. And I'm Nick. And this is the podcast where we read things people say online and try to figure out what they're talking about. What would you call this episode, Nick? I Like the book club edition, maybe? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, book club. CC book club. CCBC. We're pulling from all over the internet. On I think I got some from Amazon. I got some from Goodreads, some from Barnes & Noble, some from Reddit of people commenting on books uh, because people have a lot to say about books. And it's I think it's a... Based on the ones that I found a pretty untapped vein that we've we've struck in terms of internet commenters. People say weird stuff about books, and there are a lot of strange books out there for people to comment on. I will say most of the comments I pulled are by people who at least seem to have read the book, but a few are not. Oh, interesting. I feel like <laughs> I, I would say mine are mostly people that read the book. But I guess the only way you can comment on Barnes and Noble that I found was you have to you have to review it. So like there was a five star review saying, "Wow, I can't wait to read this." So I thought, I thought that was kind of interesting. Preliminary five stars. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's what I could do before I start a movie, knowing I'm going to finish it, just give it the 10 right off the bat. All right. So this is on r slash books on Reddit, the biggest, I think, book subreddit there is. Um, and I kind of just searched by this book. I either pulled from like a few comments or maybe the entire person like starting the conversation about the post. So here it is. This is from Chargeback Forward P. And they say, I think everyone rereads the first quarter or so the first time. Blank was really, really bad about parsing out information. After you get far enough, it's essentially just the Lion King with worms and LSD. I will say I have not read the book that I believe this is. And mm. I think you have. So I will say, would you recommend that I read Dune? Correct. And you know what? I know people talk about like the later books being like better. The first Dune is like, you know, if I read it in a different time, I feel like I would really like it. But I didn't I didn't see either of the movies before reading reading it. I thought it was really good. You really get lost in the the mythos of it. I feel like this is like world building, like the best I've ever probably read in a book, I guess, off the top of my head. I'm probably never going to read the rest of the books. But the first one was really cool. Yeah. Frank Herbert was really into like the ecology of stuff, wasn't he? Like the ecosystems and things like yeah, that, wasn't he? I think, yeah. Somebody um, replied to this comment, uh, Mr. Customer said, Space Hamlet of Arabia is what I call it. So I guess because of the sand. But anyway, this was a post about struggling to get through Dune. Um, and I guess the person said that they've explored the themes and they they like they liked what they were seeing and they watched the movie. But they said it's been taking them months to read because they're over 300 pages in and the world building is taking way too, mo way too long for their taste, which I get. 
Yeah, I like books that have weird, dense world building, like the China Mieville books. He has very strange, you know, he has like women who have scarab heads and living cactuses and stuff. So I get really into that. So I don't know why I haven't read Dune, but there is something about it that just feels like maybe it's, it's because it's from the 70s and it's influenced so many things that exist now that I feel like it would be familiar because so many things I've read have stolen stuff from it, but it would also be dense and hard to read so i've just put off reading dune i did also i found this copy of dune was like a really cool artwork i don't know if it was like the original artwork but i found it in the free section of a library you know like and it was a really good copy but it was like a really old like you know like brown paper kind of so i was like oh i'll, I'll take this and then just read it so i probably wouldn't have seeked it out i guess you know, I wouldn't be looking for it otherwise. Do you get most of your books from the free shelf on the library? Because I know that the book that you uh, uh, got for you, me, yeah, <laughs> gave me a visible darkness. I yeah, think, has, a, has a library sticker on it as well. Great, great callback to that book. Um, yes, I feel like sometimes if there's if I'm bored, I'll just like go to a library and I'll. I'll just check out what they, because a lot of them will just have like a free section where you can just take anything. So before leaving North Dakota, I went to the library and they have a huge free section, but it's not like free. You kind of like have to put money in, but you can take them however much you want. So I like put like $5 and took like 10 books, but like, not really, but I, I took like a Stephen King audiobook and I listened to that on the drive out here. A bunch of his like short stories. I think it was called Night Shift. I oh yeah, that was it. like his first short story collection, I think. Yeah, the 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 body, which is like a big standby me guy. That that one's not in there, but you gave me that book, so like I have that one as well. Oh yeah, those are like always non horror type things. He had some story about how he met some old woman in a grocery store and she recognized who he was from like his horror books and she said something like why don't you write real fiction like <laughs> stand by me and he said i wrote that and she said no you didn't <laughs> <laughs> but yeah libraries are great go to libraries take out books if you want i just got canopy on my phone so you can watch like a ton of movies but only if you have a library card it's really nice i've accrued so much debt on my library card <laughs> <laughs> really because i feel like the I had so much in LA because they, the turnaround time was like a, a week and then you wouldn't be charged. Um, and then I just stopped and then I got like an email one day saying, you owe like $3. And then I'm like, well, I don't live there anymore. I'm not going to do it. So like, I thought I had this idea of maybe like later on in life, driving out there with my estranged son and like paying the $3. Here is my first one from Amazon. This is a review by Mike Lewis, and he gives this two out of five stars. And this review is titled, Anna and the King as Retold by the Butcher of Baghdad, LOL. And he says, if you're going to buy this book, buy it as a historical curiosity, not for literary entertainment. It is a complete train wreck of a book. I see other complimentary reviews here, and I have a hard time believing they actually read it. This is very much a first novel and suffers from many of the shortcomings that first novels are notorious for. The author is obviously fairly intelligent and fairly well-read, but obviously has no idea whatsoever of how to tell a focused, coherent, engaging story. It is primarily a conversation between an all-powerful but spiritually empty king and a simple but wise salt-of-the-earth peasant woman, Zabiba, and it takes the form of a platonic dialogue that covers love, purpose, duty, patriotism, returning to one's roots, and other philosophical and historical matters. As such, it is overly dramatic, overly patriotic, overly formal, 
overly philosophical and especially overly verbose. Blank's artistic ambitions far outstripped his literary abilities. As one British newspaper put it in 2003, Blank has gone from torturing prisoners to torturing metaphors. I like Blank, and I have studied his life in some depth, but he is no writer. Perhaps... Had he had time, more writing experience, and some honest feedback, he could have eventually become a half-decent author. But I guess we will never know. The intellect and ideas are certainly there, and a few of the passages and insights in Zabiba are really not bad. But the book overall is a painful mess to slog through. So, if you can guess the author of this book, (laughs) I will give you a full point. Because it's called Zabiba. That's what the book's called. And it is not first time author. I'll say a first time author and someone not primarily known as an author. I feel like I have noticed more than any other category for this podcast, looking for reviews on books. People write their own freaking book of a review. Yes, there are very long book reviews, particularly Uh, on Amazon. So I tried to not pick those in a lot of instances. Unless they're really good like that one and have a lot to pull from. So I'm going to guess Gary Busey. No, it's not Gary Busey. It's a person from another country who's known uh, well this review is called Anna and the King as retold by the Butcher of Baghdad (laughs) and the um, British newspaper said of this book Blank has gone from torturing prisoners to torturing metaphors Saddam Hussein (laughs) yes correct (laughs) this book is Zabiba and the King by its author Saddam Hussein and it is a book of Saddam Hussein's poetry kind of but it's narrative and it is a kind Gosh. of retelling in some ways of the Thousand and One Nights, but kind of with a stand-in for himself. They go to great pains, though, in the summary of this book on Amazon to say none of the proceeds go to Saddam Hussein, which <laughs> would be difficult at this point because he's dead. <laughs> Maybe they're not going <laughs> to U- Ude Hussein. How did you come across this book? Did, did you just know about it? And Yeah, I heard it mentioned before on this other podcast called Behind the Bastard. Who when was this written? Profile of Saddam Hussein. Well, actually, it's interesting because they're not 100% sure that it's written by Saddam Hussein. People oh. believe it's written by him. He just was given credit. Is it, say, on the book his name or is it like a pen name? It does have his name on it, but it, oh, okay. it's not like he published it. It wasn't necessarily something that was 100% associated with him like we don't know for sure for sure that he wrote this but the things i read seemed to believe it was him who actually wrote it but it was kind of republished in america after it was translated and stuff maybe another episode we can have a saddam hussein book club and jeez <laughs> the, the poetry of saddam hussein we just have a whole like uh like let's read the books written by horrible people one of the things about this review also is that this guy who gave the saddam hussein book two stars he also says he's a fan of saddam hussein okay well in that review he said I like Saddam and I have studied his life in some depth, but he is no writer. So he likes the person. (laughs) He just doesn't think he can write. That's good that he at least separates the two, you know? It's like, oh, yeah. I love him. So I like I have to like his like stuff that he writes. So I guess it's one to one. Yep. Um, <laughs> and so here's my uh, second book for you. This is on Barnes and Noble. They got their own comment section, which is great for the book episodes. So yeah, let me just hit you with this very easy review from Anonymous who gave this book five stars, titling OMG, So Good. And then their description was, Culture, Family, Life, Racism, All in One Amazing Book. Um, is that it? <laughs> yes. 
uh, to kill Mockingbird. <laughs> Correct. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so yeah, it was culture, family life, but they spelt it family life, racism, all in one amazing book. So obviously, I mean, to point it out here is why did they have to make it sound like the racism was the amazing part of the book? I get that you can put that in there. I also felt like for this book specifically, because, you know, it's taught in a lot of schools, I thought looking through the Barnes and Noble ratings, there seemed to be a lot of high school kids that were maybe be told, hey, you have to write an interview online and I have to go look at it to make sure you get like an extra point on this paper about To Kill a Mockingbird. I mean, that one's anonymous. So I don't know how you would look at that. Yeah, I had classes that had kind of stuff like that where you had to post YouTube videos. I generally oh, think really? teachers shouldn't encourage their students to post. <laughs> <laughs> Did you read To Kill a Mockingbird in high school? I, I have not read To Kill a Mockingbird. So I, I believe I read To Kill a Mockingbird. I don't feel like I remember it very well. I mean, I obviously know the story and everything. But yeah, so I just thought this would be an easy one. Do you remember what you had to read in high school or middle school? Well, our school almost seemed to want to go chronologically or something because the first book we read in English class was Beowulf, which is a horrible mm. introduction to reading. <laughs> <laughs> It's written in like old English. In our early sophomore or freshman English class, we read Beowulf, the Canterbury Tales. Oh, yeah. Nice. And then they had us read some of Neil Gaiman's books. Okay, Sam. So you have you've gotten two correct and I've gotten, well, I have one. I'm so. glad you picked Dune and To Kill Mockingbird <laughs> and I picked the Saddam Hussein book. <laughs> Don't worry. I, I think I, I think my next three are a little harder. I've, I've start you off with two softballs. Well, this is a real book by a real author. So All right, number let's one. go. <laughs> Trin on Goodreads gives this two out of five stars and says, at once incredibly iconic, deeply disappointing, and all ultimately kind of gross. By gross, I don't mean scary. I actually don't find this book scary at all, to an almost bizarre degree. It's possible that I've read too much of the author at this point. I know all his tricks. I don't suffer from colorophobia or even particularly from arachnophobia. So the obvious scares were out. And it's hard to be frightened when you're using all your mental energy trying to figure out how the central monster operates, because its rules seem very inconsistent. What hurts it? Why is it deadly sometimes and just vaguely threatening otherwise? Why in general is the mythology of this book so sloppy and all over the place? Answer, the writer was super coked up. So in almost every respect, I felt this book didn't hold up at all. And yet there's still something incredibly potent about it. The power of nostalgia, the power of friendship. Those two powers combined to fight the darkness, even though a lot of time it seemed to me the author's 11-year-olds didn't feel 11, and not just when they were porking in the sewer. He gets something essential about childhood. The rambling, wandering in the woods, breathless, skin knees, splashing through the creek, stick in your hand, anything is possible endless summer of childhood and the contrast between that and unimaginable horror and death is very powerful so an overall negative review but i liked <laughs> that they brought it back around and said how it was actually affecting in some ways yeah i thought there was gonna be like an unspoken rule sam not to for either of us to do stephen king mm. but you did it <laughs> which is fair I, I i didn't i thought i was just like i'm not gonna do stephen king because i feel like someone's gonna know it right away but you found a really good review about it 
obviously. Correct. This is a review of it. And was it the description of the book or the sidebar about the author being super coked up that gave it away? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say I had an idea that it was it when you said about what the creature like rules are, like it's deadly, but then sometimes not deadly. But then you said coked up and I was like, oh yeah, for sure it's it. I feel like now that I've read Moby Dick, here I go again, this whole episode, it is now my white whale, I would say. And I've been told like, don't read it. By, and you know like i'm a hardened like stephen king is my favorite author it's just like i don't think i could do it i might as well just start the stand because i haven't read that either the stand is very long too i don't know which is longer though it i actually have it here it is 1138 pages i don't know if i've actually read a thousand plus page book there aren't very many uh, did the harry potters one of the harry potters got closed did they i thought there's never got over like 700 really pages. Oh, okay i'm trying to think what the closest one there definitely was a stephen king book that i feel like was like 800 and that might be my highest but i'm with trin is that her? i'm, 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 with, I'm yeah. with her i'm with her in the fact that i feel like the stephen king books i like the most center around a kid that acts like an adult because i really like to name a few like the second mr mercedes book is about a kid uh, a boy the institution's really good i hope to get i hope that gets made into like a show or a movie one day i feel like that'd be really good i'm all for kid actors when they have to like act the same with stand by me of course just like have the trope of now you have to grow up loss of innocence and all that i think stephen king has the gift of being able to write kids even as like a 80 year old man right who's like sort of out of touch because some of us kids like are sure. like reading, reading newspapers but it's like 2022 yeah sure I, I mean also in the it book it's like kids in the 50s so that was yeah. kind of his childhood right he'd be a kid yeah no which he yeah he like he like draws on all that too so um but also this review used a word i'd never seen before chlorophobia color yeah it's c-o-u-l-r-o phobia and that's an irrational fear of clown, apparently. Isn't that be like clownophobia? Yeah, I looked it up, though. It is right. Oh, yeah. Is that supposed to be the connection to last episode? Yeah, I was uh, kind of thinking of the clowns <laughs> in last episode. <laughs> so my next review, we're going back on Amazon. This is by Joshi96, who gave this five stars. Was it um, spelled with that accent? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. It's J-O-S-H-I. Joshi. <laughs> Sometimes I'll, you gotta sometimes maybe give people a voice, you know? So right. this is from Joel, yeah. Joel, I'm not gonna read it in a British accent. Uh, Josh 96 titled this review Childhood and said, Small and simple. My baby loves when I read it to her. She finds the book fascinating because the book is white and around this time she can't see colors yet. Is that true? <laughs> Sam, I don't know either. I thought Babies I can't see colors? I don't know if that's right. <laughs> I know they like they don't have object permanence. I didn't know they they, <laughs> they see don't the know. way people some people dream in black and white. How do you even know that a baby doesn't see in color? Because I don't remember black and yeah, white. So how do you don't. test that? I don't know. I also think that it's like if, if the book is white and they don't know, maybe because they don't know what a color is. Why would why would white be the color that they would like understand? Because it's like a nothing color. Like it's just like the void. I have no idea. And just for this book has more than just white. on it. I don't know what Joshi's talking about. Is this the booklet that comes with the white album by the Beatles? <laughs> yeah, that's what my baby loves when I read it to her, <laughs> when I sing, sing the songs to her. Would you consider this fiction or nonfiction? 
fiction. It's Sem- fiction. Semi-fiction. It's fiction. So I'm just thinking of books with white covers. Is that it? <laughs> Is there a movie of this book? No, but probably yes. It's not a movie. Wait, no, but probably yes. No, there there isn't. No, I there mean, isn't. if there if there is, it's like the most low budget thing. I'm sure somebody was like, "Oh, I can make this a YouTube video or something." I don't know. Oh, is yeah, it... small. Remember, small and simple. My baby loves it when I read it to her. What little house on the prairie? <laughs> no, should I give you another little another women? Comment? It's not <laughs> the little prince. <laughs> Wait, if you were making a movie of this, who would you cast as the main character? <laughs> Assuming would, it's a human. Yeah. Oh, okay. no, maybe it's not. Assu- Is assuming, it... It, assuming it's a human, Sam, let me, no, let me let me do that. Assuming it's a human, I would cast Keanu Reeves as the main girl. Uh, so that makes me think it's not a human. That's a good question <laughs> to ask. I like that. Children's book, though, right? He's reading it to his daughter, which doesn't guarantee it's a children's book, I guess. No, it doesn't. You're right. Uh, the Diary of Anne Frank. <laughs> no. The Diary of Helen Keller. Was that a diary? Is that what that book's titled? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, think okay. So. <laughs> yeah, give me another one. By Miss Rose. Rose is all capitalized. Four stars with the title "cute," giving it four stars because it makes a glaring entomological error in that a caterpillar forms a chrysalis, moths form a cocoon. Is this the Eric Carle book, the caterpillar picture book? Yeah. What's the title of that, Sam? Is it like the Hungry Hungry Caterpillar or something? <laughs> no, but Sam, you're correct. It's the Very Hungry Caterpillar. <laughs> Correct in spirit, if not in. Uh, <laughs> anyway, now, Sam, we it, it is now our destiny to create. We have to save up all of our money so that we can get Keanu Reeves to appear in our creation of the Very yeah. Hungry Caterpillar. Why did you cast Keanu Reeves? What was the... I don't know. I just thought that would maybe even throw you off, but I did think it was funny. That maybe it was just like Keanu Reeves, like not even acting, just like him. <laughs> what actor's face would fit on a caterpillar's body? Here, I'm going to pull up the photo because I, I took a screenshot of it just to remember. Yeah, so it's like, it is like a white cover, and then they have like a big, like the drawn look of a green caterpillar with a red head with like bunny ears almost. So I don't know, somebody, an actor who can make their their eyes big and their face red would be uh, the perfect casting. Like the guy who plays Mr. Bean? Yeah, Rowan Atkinson could be a great hungry caterpillar. I'm glad you knew his name because I was <laughs> trying to think what he was. It's just Mr. Bean. You know, you got yeah. it. It's collage, right? Like Eric Carle is collage. Yeah, yeah I, I believe so. Did you have any books as a child that were made any impression on you? Uh, I remember if you give a mouse a cookie, I feel mm-hmm. like that was a big one. And then I know when I was working in a bookstore this past year, that guy like made like a ton of those. And they made like, if you give the pig the White House, I guess it's like a joke on like Donald Trump being elected. Donald Trump picture books became a whole cottage industry, I feel like. <laughs> I feel like a whole... They? Like a whole, there's a whole publishing house that specialized in, you know, anti-Donald Trump picture books for your kids. I will say I did look up comments on The Art of the Deal by Donald Trump, but then I remembered our unspoken rule and none of the, also none of the comments were, so I, I stayed away from it. And also you didn't know I'd already broken our unspoken rule. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of childhood picture books that are kind of like lost books. I don't remember the exact titles, but I remember mm. kind of the stories and the pictures very vividly. They're impossible <laughs> to find now, though. Like if you Google them or look for them, there's some books that just seem to have slipped through the cracks, have like, you know, 
don't exist anymore. Right. Childhood books like um, the Mandela effect or, or something. Yeah. You... <laughs> so Sam, you have you've gone three for three on my books. So it's it's time for me to tie it back up. This one is not a book you've probably read, but it's definitely a book you know. Aya Nash on Google Audience Reviews gives this five out of five stars and says, first thing which I like about this book, it smells like coffee. Maybe just my copy does. This book is written in next level. It doesn't have metaphors, similes, or something like that. But the author has weaved his magic with the story style. The building of characters and the style of their introduction in such a skimmed manner is really appreciable. The story begins with a man named Jacques Saunier is murdered and has left hints to find the secret and his murderer. Two people, a professor of history of art and symbology and a police cryptographer, are called in to investigate the case. And oh my boy, with every turn of the page and every flip, the tables turn. With every end of a chapter, you drop your jaw in awe. And with so much of riddles and such games, the reader gets involved. The riddles are related to art fresco, scientists, and most importantly, Christianity. You just go, whoa, with every paragraph. The author has beautifully lifted the story and ending. Trust me, you're going to thank me for recommending you this book. You will learn a lot of facts and have a lot of fun decoding the codes along the story. And yeah, of course, hats off to the author for researching so much and depicting everything in such a lucid and fluid thriller story. Hats off. Um, but there's no similes, metaphors. There nothing must that they, be. I'll say <laughs> that he's wrong nothing about that. that. Would, nothing that would indicate that this is a book. This God. is definitely a book, and I have a feeling I could find similes and metaphors in the first <laughs> chapter. If I um, and he also says how well-researched it is, and I looked at the reviews from the time this book came out, and they're all <laughs> complaining that he didn't. the author didn't do adequate research <laughs> on oh the my. story. <laughs> And I have some other reviews as well. Is this is this full fiction? I'd say this is full fiction, yes. Is this like a Sherlock Holmes of some kind? I'll say it's a series, and it's a character oh, that's okay. appeared in multiple books. Oh, is it a Hercule Poirot? It's, uh, no, it's not Hercule Poirot. I would say more modern and less well-regarded. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's you not the... Agatha Christie. Okay, can you read the part again where he talks about like the character? I can have I just read the next review? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, have, yeah. I have two more reviews for this. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Zeph on Google reviews gives this one out of five stars and says, Okay, let me say something first. I have never read this book, and I don't try to. <laughs> when you ask, hmm, how can you say Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the most high God, had a child? Remember the fallen angels that slept with the woman of the world and they were thrown out of heaven? P.S. Heavenly beings are not meant to mix with worldly things. The Bible says Jesus came clean and pure, and he left clean and pure. Looks like I'm the only one to stand up and say this. Hope you all see my sense. Shalom. So this book plays with religious ideas, and uh, it sort of twists. The uh, I'll say the Catholic Church. The okay. Catholic Church is not a fan of this book. Is this uh, the Da Vinci Code? Correct. This is the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> I have not read it. You were correct. I have not. I'm aware of it. I've not read it. And it was a huge, it, it did sell a ton of books, right? 
mostly in airports, I assume. I do need to verify the thing about the similes and the metaphors. <laughs> that would be incredible if he wrote the whole book without any similes or metaphors. Just really concise, like no anecdotes, nothing, nothing comparing anything. It does have very short chapters. It has like two page chapters. Have you seen the movie? Yeah, I think I've seen all the movies. <laughs> oh, wait, have you read the Have you read the book? Yes. Oh, but okay. I don't. Or I listened to it on audiobook. I'm certain there's similes or metaphors, <laughs> but I don't remember any specific passages from the book. I would love to picture like the people that write those specific reviews, like them like reading the Da Vinci Code and then like right next to them having the Bible open just to like fact check <laughs> and being like, oh no, I got you in a lie now. And then going online and commenting. <laughs> so are we tied? Here we are. It's three yeah. to three. And I think actually on my last book, I will have the chance for a bonus point for you as well. Maybe multiple bonus points. <laughs> how about if I can guess how many pages it is? <laughs> <laughs> Whereabouts? No. So I'll tell you how you can get this. But all right. So this review is from Goodreads. It's by Melina. And she gave this book five stars. I've turned this book into my personal fortune cookie. I'll crack it open to a random page and read the first passage my finger lands on. And somehow I will turn a sentence about pillaging and siege into a horoscope of how I should treat myself today. This is some kind of sword and sandal fantasy or historical mm. fiction? Lord of the Rings? <laughs> Incorrect. Is it fantasy, would you say? No. Has this been a movie? My go-to. <laughs> right. That's how I would play that as well. No, I don't think this has been a movie. Is this like Beowulf or like Ivanhoe? <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't know if you've read this. I have not read it. I do believe that you should be able to get it focused on it in the zeitgeist. Okay. It's a it's a famous um, book. Referenced a lot, I would say, in, in movies. Yeah. I won't say which movie until you need an actual hint, but the, which kind of which kind of movie? The King James Bible. I was wondering if either one of us were going to do the Bible. So the closest I, I, was I got gonna... was the Da Vinci Code, <laughs> which is basically my Bible anyway. Yeah, so. basically the true story of what happens in the Bible, which is that <laughs> Jesus had a kid. My next book for the year, I'll, I'll do the Da Vinci Code. Oh, yeah. Read the Da Vinci Code. I don't know how long Moby Dick took you, but I would say the Da Vinci Code, you might be able to bring out an afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Let me just throw out a few more guesses before you give me the... The, the next, next comment. comment. Yeah. So King Arthur. Is is mm -hmm. this a King Arthur? No. I, I don't know if King Arthur, is that even a book? It's just a bunch of stories. Yeah. Is that the title of that book? I'm not familiar with it. King Arthur? It's just like yeah. the Arthurian legends. Or, right. Or, yeah. That's the thing though. Like, I don't even know what that would be called. It's like one thing because it's just like a bunch of separate stories that are all kind of the same characters you know yeah. it's like the marvel movies um the iliad incorrect newer than king arthur i would say older oh. i didn't like look into this but i'm pretty sure this was like this has to have been written before then way older uh okay yeah give me some more comments so this is by valdemar uh she gave us one star I love applying blank to my business ventures and utilizing the ancient wisdom meant to decimate people by the thousands to color every mundane interaction in my everyday life as if it were a battlefield. The art of war? Correct. Okay. Sun, I was also going to get Sun the <laughs> There was a lot of like, I would say people that were, you know, maybe militia adjacent people, <laughs> you know, not, not a proud boy, but like a, somebody that was like deciding I'm going to read this so that I know how to like beat every mental battle I have with somebody. Every, every time I meet somebody, it's a mental battle and I'm thinking about Sun Tzu. Those books are like ancient self-help books, like the yeah, meditations that's what I would have said. of Marcus Aurelius or the Prince or the Art of War. Like those are the ancient world's version of self-help. Right, yeah. Chicken soup for the art of war. <laughs> what is like the art 
of War's like average rating? Is it positive? Is it like oh, a- pretty sure it was like a three point eight. Like I feel like it does pretty well. It had a lot of reviews on Goodreads. Some classics I noticed have way lower averages of star ratings than I think. Like Moby Dick is like 3.5 out of 5, yeah. which I, I haven't read Moby Dick. I think classics kind of get downgraded sometimes. They do, yeah. I don't know. I feel like how people read now, it just seems like that's not what they're looking for. They they judge it as a classic, not as just a book by itself. I feel like they're, they're going in with like a predetermined way of thinking. So my next one, Aaron on Goodreads gives this five out of five stars and says, think about a fantasy book. Think about your favorite fantasy book. Chances are it included elves or maybe dwarves. It probably had knights or something like them. It was most likely heavily influenced by Tolkien or his successors. And it was probably based at least part on certain Anglo-Saxon or maybe French sort of medieval culture. And if you read fantasy, there's probably 15 or so more like it on your bookshelf or your e-reader of choice. So here's my recommendation. Put down Lord of the Rings. You've already read it. Put aside that new George R. R. Martin. It'll give him the chance to write a little further ahead and you'll get the chance to read it again before the next one comes out. Set aside your Jordan, your Eddings, or even your Pratchett. Do it just for a little while, just for the two days or so that it will take you to devour a series of short stories that have a totally different flavor. Sidebar, I don't think these short stories have a totally different flavor from Lord of the Rings. I think <laughs> they all taste very, the same? Okay. I think they're similar. And he says, the stories of blank, professional monster hunter, sorcerer, swordsman, and mutant. And you should do it for the same reason you don't have the exact same meal every day. These short stories will leave you wanting more. And by the time you put it down, your last wish will be for the rest of the series to finally be translated into English. So you can find out what happens next. Oh, boy, how? do i have no idea okay Mm. we've i know you know this because we've discussed this okay all right on this podcast all right okay is it before tolkien no it's definitely not before tolkien (laughs) and also he says translated from polish (laughs) ah yes you've given it away it's the uh, last wish yes it is this is the last wish the witcher by andrzej sapkowski it is definitely on my list because i love the show and i love the game I know you do. Yeah, (laughs) I did read this semi recently and I remember enjoying it pretty well, but it is a lot of whatever town he shows up has some monster problem for him to deal with. It got a little repetitive for Mm. me, but it's kind of in between a short story collection and a book. They're sort of loosely connected, but not really. The TV show is actually pretty close to The Last Wish. They copy those stories pretty exactly. Yeah, I, I like that idea. And I think that's maybe that's why it translates well to a game because like they're just like side quests where like the Witcher kind of has to be like a detective or something. Okay, so it's tied up, Sam, with for me, the last book I got for you. And this is being reviewed on Amazon. This first comment is by Nameless Warrior. And they gave this five stars, titling it Best with a Buddy. Get a buddy and get comfortable performing with these sketches. These maneuvers will not save your life, but good conditioning is part of the battle of survival. An excellent preparation for the unexpected, but more survival psychology will be needed. See Tim Larkin for preparation for ending up alive. Pay attention to all movements to overcome and end the fight. Enjoy the practice, but steal the mind for actual survival. What? (laughs) Is this some handbook? Some Aikido handbook? No. 
Does it have pictures in it? I, I guess so, yeah. Does it have a plot or is this an instructional book, mm, would you say? Interesting. I think it's maybe instructional. Yeah, it's, it sounds like it. <laughs> Get a buddy. Wait, is this a book you think I know the title of or know what kind of book it is? I will say you're probably not going to get the title, but I think you will maybe know what the book is about based on comment. The Ninja Handbook. Ooh, a good guess. A great guess, but incorrect. But there are moves what? in it. Yeah. Let me read you another one. This okay. is by Amazon Customer. Five stars. Great for senior citizen. Great book. Well written and depicted. Boosted my confidence on the streets. You ever read anything, Sam, that's boosted your confidence on the streets? On the streets? Not particularly. <laughs> Definitely not a book like this. This sounds like some kind of self-defense manual, but Ooh. he says for senior citizens. Why for senior <laughs> <laughs> So it's the kind of self-defense you could do if you're 80 years old and have a hip replacement. I'm not going to shame the old people here, but I feel like you Does it do come this. with a it can is, of mace? It, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like under Amazon. Like People also bought this along with this item. Here, I'll read you another one. This can maybe tie you in. So this is by Ted D. Stuggs, uh, Four Stars, a very good book that helps you prepare and give you confidence to handle a violent encounter with evil. You're right about being self-defense. Physical yeah. self-defense. This isn't like the exorcism handbook or no, something. No, no, no. Because he, he mentions evil. Yeah. <laughs> is this a particular martial art? Yeah. Because when you said old people, I was thinking of Tai Chi, but that's not something mm. you can really fight with. Yeah, that's more of a lifestyle. <laughs> I can't imagine someone trying to take someone down or hit someone with a Tai Chi kind of movement because it's so sort of deliberate. Is it? Oh, God, I don't know what's called that Brazilian martial art. The, I'll, I'll tell you what. It's the not... sea. Yeah, what is that called? Like capybara or something? Or oh, no, that's the yeah. Word. But no, you're right. It's so no, but you're right. It's like very similar to that word. This isn't like a word for martial arts. You've basically got the second title of it. Like it's a it's a self-defense book. But what is the first title? Let me read this one again. That'll give it to you. Great book. Well written and depicted. Boosted my confidence on the street. Is it a mixture between a like pickup artist book and self-defense? <laughs> No. Boosted my confidence on the streets. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> you didn't look in the book at all, did you? Oh, I, look, I looked in the oh, book. Oh, you did? Yeah. You don't, I, do you own it? No, I do not own it. I just, okay. I found this book. If I look at what I screenshotted here, it's under books, then sports and outdoors, and then biography. Oh, it's not a specific person, though. Is it an actual biography? It's not a specific person, but we'll get into who this person is once you get this. Once I, I, I feel like I just want to give it to you. If you were to get into an altercation with somebody on the streets, what would you call that? A mugging? <laughs> <laughs> street fight? Sam, correct. Okay. The name of the book is How to Street Fight, Street Fighting Techniques for Learning Self-Defense by Sam Fury. The cover art is really cool. It's like how to street fight, and then it's like covered in blood, and then it's like a dark silhouetted man like with a fist clenched it like looking up to his like forehead but sam sam fury here's a little about the man he has a passion for survival evasion resistance and escape also known as s-e-r-e training since mm. he was a young boy growing up in australia this led him to years of training and, and career experience and related subjects including martial arts military training and outdoor pursuits these days he spends his time refining his skills and sharing what he knows via his book and blog and sam i've got a list of not all of his books but i've got a list of many of his books and for 
You have currently five points, but for a bonus point, I want you to name off a title and I'll, and I'll see if that's one of the books he's written. Okay. I'm not familiar with his work, but I'll- No, you wouldn't be. Of course. I am not familiar. <laughs> um, are they all in the same vein as the Street Fight book? Yeah. Or, or has he written book, any- you know, Oh, has... you know, Sam, there could be one or two books in there that maybe you wouldn't think would be for the SERE training in him. Think like just as dumb as somebody that would read like How to Street. Um, in in the vein of that, like just another uh, another skill that can be taught or learned. Caveman mindset. Mm, very good. Wait, That's not up. one of them. Though. Okay. Throughout, like these are like the most basic titles. Like he just like names things. Urban tactics. Ooh, um, urban tactics is a good one. It is not on the list though. I'm actually thinking of things that sound like names of Steven Seagal movies. Aggressive negotiations. <laughs> Um, let me see. That's from mm. Attack of the Clones, I think. <laughs> Not in his. So he's written a lot of books. If you're, if you have to look through all of these, <laughs> yeah. What's the over under on the books he's written? I feel like they're like just a part of his blog, which I didn't go to his website, which is survivalfitnessplan.com. But if you can base it off that website, what would be on here, you'd probably get like pretty close to like the title of one of his books, which uh, might just be all just like screenshots of his blog. Honestly, it just says like in the description of how to street fight, it just lists literally all and it doesn't give like any links, but it just says all the books he's made. So I feel like he like wants you to like type those in because they're so broad. That maybe you'll just buy a Sam Fury book. Oh, so they're like keywords. Yeah. <laughs> um, extreme self-defense. Oh, you know what? I'm going to give it to you, Sam, because you got one. It's called Kung Fu for self-defense. Oh, well, that's a little bit different. But... All so... right. If you don't want that one, I'll take it away. <laughs> yeah, so you, you got, take yeah. it away. Does he have like a specialty, like a martial art he's good at? So he, he has years of experience, including martial arts, military training, and outdoor pursuits. So very, who knows what he actually is an expert in. Here, I'll read you another one. Uh, so maybe this will... Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to help. But this one is called Complete Vortex Control Self-Defense. It sounds tantric almost. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another one for you. Escape, Evasion, and Survival. Yeah, those seem like the right keywords to include. <laughs> yeah. Sam, I'll give you one more and then I'll read out the rest because I feel like <laughs> you've lost your chance at a point. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> All right. So we have then, out of nowhere, sustainable living. So he knows <laughs> how to... Then there's essential parkour training. You forgot about that outdoor activity, Sam. Here's a good one. Emergency roping and bouldering. So if you're ever in a situation where it's an emergency, what you should be doing. And then finally, how to do basic magic tricks. That's so funny because his interests almost perfectly align with the interests of one of my friends from high school who did magic tricks at parkour and breakdancing. That's awesome. And skateboarding. So you know. Is there, are there any skateboarding books? <laughs> no, not on the list I have here. And he also has that one about, what is it? Sustainable living or something? Homesteading? Yeah, sustainable living. Yeah. <laughs> That one, I would not have guessed that one. Okay, so my next book is also nonfiction. And I want you to guess who this is about. You don't have to get the title. The first review on Goodreads is Ryan, who gives this five out of five stars and says, a classic in spite of itself. There are some biographies you love because they are well-written. There are some biographies you love because you love the subject of the book. This book is neither of those things. No. Oh, no. Um, all right. Is Maybe this... with some people this might be about. Okay, I listen. have another one, too. I don't know. I'll listen. I'll, yeah, this could be in spite of itself. I mean, I'm going to stick with my answer from the previous round. Gary Busey. Not Gary Busey. Not an actor, but I will say, I mean, it'll become pretty clear what he is. This is by El Diablo, 
on Goodreads. And this is a long one, but I think it's worth it. He says, I knew from the very beginning of this book that Michael Bamberger was not going to be a great writer. In the first paragraph, he tries to stress that he's a common man who likes popcorn movies and not highfalutin foreign crap by dismissively claiming he has no idea if Igmar Bergman is a man or woman. I get what he's trying to do there, but that joke fell flat on so many levels. And then he says, sure enough, the book follows that lead. Bamberger never comes across like a genuine presence, and his prose, while passable, is constantly pedestrian. But none of that matters in this case, because he had the good luck to be in the right place at the right time. You see, Bamberger's book profiles blank while he is making blank, which is the clear dividing line in his directorial career. His earlier films were basically successes. Some made more money than others, some were bigger hits with critics, but they all did well. However, his post-blank career was all downhill. In the decade after it flopped, the filmmaker became a literal laughingstock. So the book is a fly-on-the-wall snapshot of a praised auteur losing their way, which is automatically interesting from a schadenfreude perspective. But this book is gripping, not just because it is a cautionary tale, but because the specifics of how he lost his way are so revealing. A few years ago, I tried to watch Blank, and I couldn't get through it. There was too much exposition, all of which was delivered clunkily, and none of which made much sense to me. So I wasn't surprised to read that when the filmmaker sent out the first draft of his script, the main note he got back from the head honchos at Disney was that they didn't understand the story. But I was surprised to read that rather than take that one genuine note seriously, he decided to break off his long-standing partnership with Disney and take the script to a more compliant studio. Over and over again, he refuses to listen to anyone who questions him, even if those stories are coming from close confidants who are earnestly trying to make his half-assed movie better. <laughs> He's so closed off to any whiff of criticism that he won't listen to his editor's suggestions, even though those ideas might have sped up the movie, which ended up really dragging, or accept input from his producing partners, whose ideas might have streamlined the movie, which ended up feeling all over the place. He really comes across like a clueless dictator and every bit of self-indulgence sheds light on why his movies became so unwatchable. Ultimately, Bamberger's arthurial failings end up helping the book. A more impartial look at this filmmaker during this period would probably come across like a hit piece. Well, that could be fun. I would probably feel a bit dirty about reading it. But the book never feels like a hit piece. It is legitimately trying to flatter its subject. While Bamberger sees an early cut of the film and doesn't get it, he blames himself. Bamberger's deference makes all the difference in the world, because actually sarcastic prose wouldn't be nearly as cutting as this ends up being. Try George to, Lucas. Yes, true, this is a... No, but this is about a director. <laughs> okay. Uh, a Tim biography Burton. of a director, and the author is Michael Bamberger. Tim and, Burton? No, it's not Tim Burton. James Cameron. No. This person kind of had a like a fall from grace or whatever. Um, and the parts I blanked out were the name of the movie he was working on mm. while this book was being written about him and obviously his name. Orson Welles. No, not Orson Welles. More recent. This would be within our lifetime. Okay. Actually, his whole career would be within our lifetime. The beginning and the end? It's not over yet, but <laughs> okay. he's not dead. 
Right. So but yes, the beginning would be within our lifespan, okay. I, I think. <laughs> Mr. Steven Spielberg. Not Steven Spielberg, but he has been compared to Steven Spielberg. Really? I think he kind of modeled himself after Steven Spielberg in some ways. Eli Roth. No. Do you think Eli Roth <laughs> modeled himself after Steven Spielberg? And it wouldn't be too fair to ask for like a movie he's directed. If I told you one movie he's directed... I'd get it. You would know instantly. Interesting. I would I... say the fact that they stopped even putting his name in the trailers of his later movies because people were laughing in the theater when his name came up. M. Night Shyamalan. Yes. This book is called The Man Who Heard Voices or How M. Night Shyamalan Risked His Career on a Fairy Tale by Michael Bamberger. And it follows him as he is writing The Lady in the Water. Michael Bamberger, I guess, is some sports writer, but he stumbles into M. Night Shyamalan and starts following him as he's writing Lady in the Water and chronicling it in kind of real time. It's, you know, kind of the beginning of people sort of turning on M. Night Shyamalan as a director and everything like that. Because all his other movies were with Disney, I think. But then he kind of broke off with Disney and went with some other studio to... I was going to say, he's got a movie coming out soon. I don't know who the studio is. Blumhouse? Doesn't he do Blumhouse movies now? Oh, really? Okay, maybe it is, yeah. But yeah, anyway, it's kind of one of those books, like the slow motion train wreck kind of books. Mm. Um, it just follows sort of escalating, not disaster, but the making of Lady in the Water, at least, which I don't think is a full-on disaster. Like, there's some interesting things in that movie, like the bodybuilder that only works at one side of his body. <laughs> that was an interesting idea. I think I've only seen The Sixth Sense and Split, honestly. I wouldn't say he's even like a bad filmmaker. I just feel like I don't have like the interest in watching him. I like some of his movies a lot. I like Signs and Oh, I have seen Signs. Yes, I have seen Signs. That sounds just pretty good. Um, yeah, no, I feel like except, that's... Except, obviously, yeah, the ending, not good but oh okay when like god swings the baseball bat or whatever yeah well um, sam i guess you're gonna hate this but it's ended in a tie it's really becoming just a feature of the podcast that <laughs> every episode is basically a tie stay tuned for next week yeah. when we do another episode of books we don't do everything in threes we do it in two we'll resume the book club next week but that's all we've got this time so talk to you again from the same parking lot in the same library in Maine. All right. I think one day I should drive up there and just at the parking lot and we can record it together. Okay. Well, good night and good luck. Yeah. See ya. Bye. Bye. And I always say Catch and Rise like my favorite book, having only read it once and in like high school. So I think I'll eventually go back to it and decide, oh, actually, I don't like Holden Caulfield. Uh, he's not my favorite protagonist. You think that'd be like clownophobia? Yeah, I looked it up, though. It is right. Or like, um, like, <laughs> phobia. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, why not? Because <laughs> no book that you finish that's a thousand pages is totally devoid of something you can take from it. Yeah. Like, if you're able to finish a thousand pages of a book, there's something in it that's keeping some that stringing it along. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's something, something there. <laughs> and it's the, and it's for that person. It's the kids porking in the woods. Yeah, uh, that's right. That that is the scene <laughs> everyone brings up. Actually, the sewer to be the sewer. Yeah. <laughs> um, worm a theme so far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what other worm books are there? Um. Yeah, I can't think of any. Anyway, in such a skim in such a skimmed manner is real. Let me read that again. <laughs> In the Da Vinci Code, they have to steal the Declaration of Independence, right? That's a national treasure. <laughs> the Da Vinci Code has nothing to do with the Declaration. Okay. 
Um, I like those short and sweet ones that are like, my baby can't see color. Oh, yeah, right. I, I need to look <laughs> that up. I don't. Is that true? The only so? wrestlers I know, are like The Undertaker. And... <laughs> yeah, Mick is Foley. Is he still wrote around? A, uh, he retired. But Mick yeah. Foley, he wrote a book that apparently is like the best wrestling book, which I might. But that, when the, did there you was get a, into wrestling? Oh, probably like middle school. And I feel yes. like I've like. Yes, that's always the time people get into wrestling. <laughs> well, that's when it's real, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone I've talked to who follows wrestling now, they always started in when they're 10 or 11. <laughs> yeah, that's the best time because you think it's real. But yeah, I, I don't like follow it very closely, but I'll check back in every now and again.